plots and forget-me-nots Written by Guts and Glitter Read by Literarian Chapter 3 I say a little prayer for you 2019 The girl couldn't have been a day over 16. She was petite, with a shock of bright blue hair that kept falling in her face and a pair of combat boots that seemed about two sizes too big. She looked apprehensive as she approached the counter, picking her way around the various displays that took up the majority of the shop's floor space. Aziraphale had been so caught up in gossiping with Madame Tracy, one of her old clients had just become a parishioner at Reverend Chatwell's church, that he almost didn't hear the girl come in. He tucked his teacup underneath the counter as she approached and gave a warm smile. Good morning, he said cheerily. How can I help you? The girl bit her lip and tugged on the frayed sleeve of her hoodie. Hi, I've, um, I've never done this before. How does it go? Well, if you're looking for an arrangement, why don't you start by telling me what the occasion is? The girl's cheeks turned scarlet, and Aziraphale got the distinct feeling he had somehow asked the wrong question. He shot Madame Tracy a worried look, but she just smiled and shook her head at him. She turned back to the girl, who looked to be on the verge of tears. What's your name, love? The girl swallowed and offered a weak smile. Cassidy. Madame Tracy beamed. What a lovely name. For anyone else, it would have sounded like a cheap forced compliment, but from her it was nothing but genuine. Well, Cassidy, if you've never bought proper flowers before, you're in for a treat. Mr. Fell is nothing short of a miracle worker, and I'm sure he can help you with whatever it is you need. He's the reason my husband and I got together, you know. This was factually accurate, but contrary to her insinuations, it had nothing to do with Aziraphale's floral arrangements. It had everything to do with a complicated series of events involving a botched exorcism, an Airbnb rental in Wandsworth, three cases of mistaken identity, and a hedgehog named Reginald, but that was a story for another day. Cassidy looked from Madame Tracy to Aziraphale, then back down at her shoes. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to be so awkward about this. It's just, uh, I have a date. A first date with a, um, someone who's really special. And I really want to get it right with nice flowers and the whole deal. Aziraphale recognized the hesitation before the word someone, the all-too-familiar knee-jerk reaction to shy away from pronouns or any sort of gender marker. 
How many times had he himself done that, stuttered over a he or said my friend instead of my love? He smiled at her, trying to evidence his understanding as best he could. What's their name? Cassidy hesitated for a moment before answering, Sarah. The corners of her lips tucked upwards, as if she couldn't so much as say the name without smiling. She's amazing, and I really wanted to be special for her, but um, I don't really have much money. I don't even really know how much a proper bouquet costs. Aziraphale's heart swelled. Now this, this was why he had become a florist. To help encourage young love to be a part of that magic and help coax something new and beautiful into the world. He clapped his hands together. Oh, don't worry about money. The first bouquet is on the house. Madame Tracy choked on her tea. Cassidy blinked. It, uh, really? Shop policy. Aziraphale said, shooting Madame Tracy a stern look as she smirked into her cup. At this point, it was very nearly not a lie, his accounting books could attest to his alarmingly frequent tendency to undercharge and give arrangements away. Cassidy's smile alone was worth it, though. Oh, that's brilliant! Thank you so much! Now, what's Sarah's favourite flower? Azzy Raphael asked. Um, she really likes daisies, Cassidy said. So could you do just like a simple daisy arrangement? Azzy Raphael's smile grew impossibly wide. I think that can be arranged. He turned and made his way into the back room, still beaming. So, tell me more about this young lady of yours, he heard Madame Tracy say as he rounded the corner. Daisies were Aziraphale's favourite flowers. He rarely got to work with them. Most people considered them too cheap and too common to request for a professional arrangement. But they never failed to make him smile. There was something so comforting and warm about them. They reminded him of summer, of sunshine and picnics, and the luxurious feeling of having nowhere to be and no one to answer to. For Sarah's arrangement, he selected the biggest, freshest blooms he had in stock, and took care to fan out the tender white petals so that none overlapped. He then threaded through a few bright tufts of goldenrod for colour and finished the whole arrangement off with a few sprigs of Pitta Negra. As he tied the stems off with a length of yellow satin ribbon, he winged a quick prayer to St. Dwinwin, the patron saint of lovers. Blessed St. Dwinwin, you who knew pain and peace, division and reconciliation. You have promised to aid lovers and you watch over those whose hearts have been broken. It was almost muscle memory at this point, 
after years of beseeching the saint to watch over customers both young and old. But Aziraphale felt a quiet desperation creeping into his voice as he prayed now, something unfamiliar that made his hands tremble. He thought of how many moments of courage it must have taken for Cassidy to get to this point. If the mere act of buying flowers had made her this anxious, what must it have been like for her to realize she had feelings for Sarah? To ask her out on a date? And yet she had done so anyway, which was so spectacularly brave it made Aziraphale's heart ache. Then again, that was the very essence of love, wasn't it? One act of bravery after saying, I know the risks, but it's worth it, day after day after day. Please, St. Winwin, he thought, cutting a sheet of white butcher paper to wrap the bouquet in. Don't let that be in vain. Please, let this story have a happy ending. When he came back out to the shop front, he was unsurprised to see Cassidy and Madame Tracy chatting like the oldest and dearest of friends. The woman had a remarkable ability to put people at ease within moments of meeting them. The first time she had come into the shop, Aziraphale had found himself telling his whole life story in one sitting. She might have missed her calling as a therapist, though he didn't think the hourly rate would have been nearly as good as what she had been making in her prime. Cassidy's eyes grew wide when she saw the arrangement in his hands. It's perfect, she breathed. Oh, Madame Tracy was right, you really are a miracle worker. Aziraphale smiled gently. I just hope Sarah enjoys them, and that the date goes well. Cassidy cradled the flowers to her chest, running her fingers down one of the stems. Me too. She made her way back out of the shop, but not before promising to stop by Madame Tracy's the following week for a tarot reading. After the door had shut behind her, Aziraphale elbowed his friend. I thought you stopped doing tarot appointments when you became Mrs. Reverend Chadwell. What Shetty doesn't know about won't hurt him, she said primly. Besides, what about you? First bouquets on the house, she mimicked. Touché. Can't help but be soft about first loves, I suppose, she said wistfully. Aziraphale hummed in agreement, reaching for his abandoned cup of tea. No, I don't suppose you can. A few hours later, the bell above the door chimed, and Aziraphale was surprised to once again see Adam and Dog shuffling into the shop. Ah. Hi, Adam said. I'm not sure if you remember me. I came in a few days ago. 
Aziraphale, who had always prided himself on his impeccable memory for names and faces, greeted him warmly. Of course. Good to see you again, Adam. And Doc, he added, gesturing to the boy's black and white shadow. I suppose you want another treat? Doc did in fact want another treat and eagerly accepted the proffered tripe stick. He was slightly less enthusiastic about the ear scratches that followed, but he allowed them. I just wanted to come by and say thank you for the flowers, Adam said. Mum loved them. Aziraphale beamed and clasped his hands together. Oh, I'm so glad. I knew hydrangeas would be just a thing. I never get to hear people's reactions to my bouquets. It was very kind of you to stop in and tell me that. Adam shrugged. I was just in the neighborhood, had some time to kill. This was a lie. Over the course of the past week, he hadn't been able to stop thinking about the exchange he had witnessed at the shop. The two men were so peculiar and polar opposites, the kindly florist who dressed like a character from one of those BBC miniseries Adam's mother loved so much, and the man called Crowley who dressed like a rock star and wore sunglasses indoors. They were so unlike any adults Adam had ever encountered, he found himself wanting to know more about them and their strange, vaguely hostile relationship. Aziraphale smiled brightly. Well, if you still have time, you're more than welcome to stay. I always enjoy having company. I think I have some human treats around here too, if you're amenable. Ah, uh, sure. Adam said, perching on Madame Tracy's stool. This was going to be easier than expected. He had thought he would need to come up with some kind of elaborate excuse as to why he needed to hang around the shop, but he had underestimated the florist's hospitality. Aziraphale popped into the back room and flicked on the electric kettle he kept next to the vase cupboard. He fished a tin of biscuits out from under a pile of ribbon cuttings and returned to the storefront. Adam was in the process of examining the haphazard stack of books that had been left on the counter. A Victorian flower dictionary, the language of flowers, the botanical bible, folklore and symbolism of plants and trees, herbarium, verbarium. It was an odd assortment, though all of them appeared well-loved, riddled with dog ears and sticky notes and scraps of paper repurposed as bookmarks. What are all these for? Adam asked. Aziraphale smiled. These are books on flower meanings. My dear friend's cousin just had cosmetic surgery and we were debating what sort of arrangement would best say congratulations on the new nose. What did you end up deciding on? Amaryllis, which symbolized splendid beauty or worth beyond beauty, he shrugged. 
I thought it was appropriate, celebratory, but still serving as a reminder that our appearances aren't the be-all and end-all of our existence. Adam flipped through the book closest to him, fascinated by the illustrations and explanations. So it's like a secret message? Aziraphale considered this, then nodded. I suppose it is, in a way. You're welcome to borrow that, if you'd like, he offered, gesturing to the book in Adam's hands. Really? Adam looked delighted. Thank you. I'll bring it back soon, I promise. The boy was already devising a new game for his friends to play, a spy game that involved sending coded messages using flower names. True to his word, Adam came back a few days later to return the book, only to end up walking out with two more. This became a regular occurrence. Aziraphale had a veritable lending library of botanical texts, and Adam had an insatiable appetite for new, slightly arcane knowledge. After a while, he became a fixture at AZ Fell and Co. He would come in every few days, usually spending an hour or so talking to Aziraphale, or else helping out with menial tasks around the shop. He enjoyed how grown-up it felt to be entrusted with responsibilities like sweeping stem cuttings and working the cash register, as well as having an adult in his life who didn't talk down to him. Aziraphale enjoyed the company, and Doc enjoyed the treats, so it was a beneficial arrangement for all parties involved. Though unbeknownst to Aziraphale, Adam was also spending some of his time over at Ninth Circle, Inc., where he was allowed to watch Crowley work so long as he didn't ask stupid questions and kept his damp dog out of the way. Aziraphale, I got another piece of your mail. Crowley hollered, sauntering into the shop one sweltering morning in July. I think at this point we're just going to have to kill the postman. He's really given us no other choice, and it'll send the message to the others. Hello, Crowley, Aziraphale said coolly, snatching the phone bill from the other man's hand. Adam waved to Crowley from his perch on the stool. Hi, Mr. Crowley. Adam, what are you doing here? Crowley asked, slouching against the counter. You know, it's much more fun over in my shop. Hell, anywhere's more fun than this place. Aziraphale was aghast. Crowley, he's eleven. You've been letting him spend time in your shop? It's a tattoo parlor, not a brothel, Crowley drawled. And it's not like I'm inking him. I told him he has to wait until he's 18. Or gets a somewhat convincing fake ID. Aziraphale shot him the most withering look his delicate features could manage. What's a brothel? 
Adam asked. It's a... Without thinking, Aziraphale reached out and clapped a hand over Crowley's mouth. The action surprised them both, and for a tense moment they just stared at each other. Crowley let out a surprised huff of breath through his nose, and the air tickled the back of Aziraphale's knuckles. The florist yanked his hand back as if it had been burned. He let out a small, shaky breath and turned back to Adam. It's a made-up word, just a silly old inside joke between Mr. Crowley and myself. Crowley gave a derisive snort, but said nothing. Oh. Adam looked like he wanted to ask more, but held back. Behind the counter, Aziraphale flexed the hand that had been pressed against Crowley's lips. He had forgotten how soft the other man's skin was, how smooth the straight razor shaves he insisted upon lift his chin and cheeks. Crowley stood up and stuck his hands in his pockets. Anyway, he said, elongating the vowels to an unnecessary degree. Better get back to my shop. Adam, come by any time. Maybe if you ask nicely, I'll give you a half-sleeve. Aziraphale pursed his lips and made a hm sound in the back of his throat. Crowley smirked. Don't look so put out. You're welcome too. Your back piece need any touch-ups? No, it's fine, Aziraphale said tightly. Out of the corner of his eye, he could see Adam's jaw drop, and he knew that he was undoubtedly in for an uncomfortable conversation about the tattoo he kept hidden beneath so many layers of linen and tweed. Fair enough. Crowley sauntered to the door and turned the handle, then paused. He shot Aziraphale a wicked look, and the florist's stomach sank. Oh, and Adam, he said sweetly. A brothel is a whorehouse, a place of business for prostitutes. Knowledge is power. With that, he was gone. Aziraphale buried his head in his hands. At this point, he wondered if Crowley was playing a game, timing how quickly he could fluster Aziraphale each time he came into the shop. If that was the case, he had certainly just beat his own record. The shop was quiet for several long moments, save for the quiet ticking of the clock on the wall. Aziraphale pressed the heels of his palms against his eyelids, applying just enough pressure to see stars. Eventually, Adam broke the silence. Why do you and Mr. Crowley hate each other so much? he asked. The question seemed to catch Aziraphale by surprise. He dropped his hands and blinked several times, trying to clear his field of vision. 
hate each other? What makes you think we hate each other? Adam frowned. Don't you? You two are always arguing, and when he leaves, you always seem so sad. Aziraphale blushed, though he shouldn't have been surprised. He'd never had much of a poker face. No, my dear boy, I don't hate Mr. Crowley. He may very well hate me. He has every right to. You see, we used to... Well, we were... He trailed off, unsure of how to have this conversation with an eleven-year-old. Was he your boyfriend? Aziraphale choked out a laugh. He had underestimated how worldly today's children were. Perhaps this conversation wouldn't be all that difficult after all. Yes, I suppose that would be the appropriate term. Was it because you're both boys? Were other people being mean to you? Adam began spinning the seat of the stool back and forth, kicking his feet out at odd intervals. When Peppa had a crush on another girl in our class, Derek called her a rude name and she punched him in the stomach and he left her alone after that. I bet if Mr. Crowley just punched whoever it was in the stomach, they'd leave you alone too. Ah, no, Aziraphale said slowly. Part of him wondered if he should be offended by the implication that he was incapable of protecting himself from homophobia. Not that he condoned violence, but still. That wasn't it. Well, that wasn't entirely it. And it's whomever. Adam rolled his eyes. More like whatever. So what was it? Aziraphale sighed and pinched the bridge of his nose. It's complicated. In any event, some harsh words were said, and we parted ways. You didn't go very far, though, Adam pointed out. Aziraphale had to smile at that. No, I don't suppose we did. When Adam asked Crowley for his version of events, he received a very different response. Yep, you're exactly right. I hate him. Hate his guts. Hate his stupid face and his stupid hair and... Oh, don't get me started on his stupid dimples. Can't stand them. Or him. Not sure why we're even still talking about him. He's not worth talking about at all. Ever. And I thought I told you about my no-stupid-questions policy. Now, get out of my shop. Can't you see I'm busy? He yelled, gesturing to the empty parlour. Needless to say... Adam was not convinced by this performance. <laughs>